30th anniversary event that taught us something as comic fans, not to take our heroes for granted. That's where we are this year in 2022. It has been 30 years since the death of Superman. Um, if cultural icons can be killed, is anything sacred? The comic crossover story that somewhat opened the floodgates and it paved the way for other high-profile deaths, um, career-ending injuries, <laughs> heel turns and returns. And I'd argue nothing close to the magnitude of this and nothing would ever have the same impact culturally. Um, so this is something we've been wanting to cover for some time on Ace Comicals. If you haven't guessed, we are now beginning to cover the death of Superman. So uh, this is Ace Comicals presents the death and return of Superman. Uh, joining us today, um, it's the usual faces. We've got Rahul. Evening, guys. Uh, Leon. Hey, hey. And um, our um, frequent guest, Marv, Hello, who everyone. returns after earning his degree in Nightfall. <laughs> <laughs> to, I was the teaching assistant. <laughs> yeah, now he's going to earn a doctorate in Death of Superman. <laughs> So yes, uh, here we are to talk about the uh, death of a pop culture icon. Now I'm going to attack this from a different angle to what you might have seen in um, other um, content on the internet revolving around Death of Superman. Like, I mean, I could recap the story, but I think at this point it's fairly easy to find out what happens. There's no point in me doing a verbal beat by beat of the actual events of the death of Superman. What I'm, what I'm going to do, rather than just break it down, is I want to talk about the mechanics behind why this happened, where the idea came from, uh, the comics themselves, and um, the, fact that it, the, the fact that Superman, as a, a, a pop culture icon, is so pervasive worldwide. Like, I'm betting that even before things were as connected as they are now, you could go to any corner of planet Earth and show someone the coat of arms of the House of L. And they'd instantly recognize that that was Superman's S, right? Do we all agree, guys? Do you think? Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Most right. of the planet, really. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, so, it's so interesting how something that began in comics, like the first ever superhero, it has become such an ingrained part of planet Earth in such a pervasive way. In places where, you know... You, this, I guess this is the influence of Superman appearing in other media and things like that because being an instant hit in the comics back in the golden age he had, his, he had a radio uh, serial uh, there was this television um, and, and just it, it, Superman has always been like one of these sort of pervasive icons of pop culture that you can't you think of Superman before you think of DC Comics Oh, definitely. And you think, it, it, the, if you said comics to someone and said, right, you have to answer with the first thing that comes into your mind, they'd say Superman. Yeah, it would be, the, the top three would be like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, and then everyone else, basically. Hmm. Yeah, but, but I bet you the top one of those three would be Superman. Yeah, it's like, elemental. Like, you ask yeah. my, my dad about a comic book and he'll be able to name Superman. I don't think he'd be able to name Batman, but like, hmm. he absolutely exactly. knows Superman. And, that, and that's why the fact that they killed him and, and all the, the circus surrounding that is so interesting to me because it, it, it's, it's something that had a worldwide impact and I don't think you'd ever be able to achieve that again with a comic book. 
and that's that's what I wanted to get across with these Death of Superman episodes that I want to do. So this is part one, uh, and we'll see how many parts it takes us to cover this. I'm hoping we can do it in three, but we'll see. So, where do we begin? Uh, let's go back to the very start. Let's go to the end of the Silver Age. <laughs> okay, we're going so, way, way, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and this is because Superman, because we're, we're talking about Death of Superman um, as in the 90s event. Um, the thing that a lot of people will know as the thing that catapulted comics into the 90s boom-bust age, um, which we'll get onto that eventually, but it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, it's not all Superman's fault, and it's something that I think was... It's a, a mishmash of things that caused that. But um, yeah, Superman had already died. In World's Finest Volume 1, uh, number 189. So at the end of the Silver Age, in her World's Finest book, uh, with a macabre storyline revolving around Superman's death um, and the sale of his organs. Oh um, my god. This is, yeah, this is, this is something that I picked up from a, um, a Batman uh, fan page on... Uh, Facebook that I follow. They're, they're really good, actually. Uh, they, they, they do um, Batman-centric history. And uh, they go through the comics. And because this is a world's finest thing, this is why this came up. And I thought it would be interesting to mention it on our cast. Um, because it's, it's, it's essentially another time Superman died. So it's kind of like a little... But yeah, so he, he, um, he falls out of the sky... And uh, he is proclaimed dead, but it's not actually Superman. It's an android that looks like him. And uh, in his last will and testament, um, he says that his organs are to be harvested and given to the most worthy people. Um, and he said Batman should get his heart, but Batman doesn't want Superman's heart. Um, and then Lex Luthor decides he's going to sell the organs to the highest bidder. And he sells them to a crime gang who use them, like transplant them into their own body, own bodies. But then like, because these aren't real Superman, these are fake Superman organs, they begin to fail. And Batman and Robin are able to capture this, this crime gang um, and apprehend them for good kind of thing. And it all turns out that this was like an elaborate sting operation. <laughs> And Superman wasn't actually dead, and Superman was posing as the alien that supposedly killed him. So, it, it, yeah, it's one of those. But it's from the edge of the, edge of the Silver Age, and um, it is, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. I'll tell you what, that's uh, a that's a lot of work for a sting operation to get one gang. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, it's. Um, supposedly well well the reason lex luther sold the he sold the organs to the gang because he was annoyed that he didn't get to kill superman because superman was killed by this alien that was actually superman and it's all a bit weird and a bit um a bit elaborate let's say but it's an interesting little bit so yeah so this isn't the first time superman's died just before we get into it just to complicate matters <laughs> But this is pre. I'm talking pre-crisis. World's finest is this is world's finest. December 1969. is pre-crisis. So yeah. Um, yeah, moving on from there. After Crisis on Infinite Earths, the DC universe was cleaned up. 
Um, so, Mark, you joined us for Crisis as well, didn't you? Indeed. Yes. Um, so we know about how, uh, if you go back and listen to the other episodes, you'll know about how the DC universe was uh, rebooted and cleaned up and things were modernized, simplified and streamlined. And that was back in 1986 with Crisis of Infinite Earths, like the biggest crossover, the thing, the crossover that launched a thousand crossovers. Um, Superman's comic line following this now has several titles. And although they often had their own standalone tales, you'd get continuing themes and storylines across them. So you had Adventures of Superman, Action Comics, Man of Steel and Superman. And on the front of each, uh, on the front cover of each comic, you would have a triangle containing the year the comic was published and the number um, denoting each denoting what order to read the comic books in so a little triangle with the year 1992 and then like number three so this is the third superman comic you're supposed to read in 1992 um of all the superman comics that were being published to get the full story if you understand if that makes sense so far yeah um, kind of like and, a, running an easter egg hunt around the comic shop yeah sort of <laughs> I can imagine it got quite irritating if you had number four and number six <laughs> and you were looking for number five. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was uh, to basically to keep things on track and to keep things in line. The creative teams behind these, these Superman titles uh, would hold yearly story meetings or conferences and sometimes uh, discussions about direction and storylines would get heated, resulting in people trying to come up with and often managing to come up with compromise. Um, so the writer of Adventure of Superman at this point was Jerry Ordway. And there was this running joke um, that was like around the time um, that they were doing these, these story meetings. They, have, they had this running joke that they were go that, that basically these discussions would get heated and he would like stand up and say, ah, we should just kill him. And it was it was a joke because, the, you know, you'd have these heated arguments saying we can't do that because I want to do this in this book and we've got this thing running and whatever. And then Jerry Ordway just stand up and say, why don't we just kill him? Um, and it, it continued as a joke until someone decided to take it seriously. <laughs> and uh, there's a there's a really, really weird reason about why they ended up taking it seriously. So. They were basically cornered into having to kill him. Um. And, like, eventually they took him seriously. Like, could they kill him? Could they make fans wake up to what they'd been taking for granted? Because the, if you think about it, at this point as well, Superman comics weren't massively popular or, you know, massively popular. They, they needed to do... They were trying to keep it exciting for people and they needed to do something to keep Superman exciting and to make Superman interesting again. Because you think about how long Superman had been running at this point. I mean, you think about how long Superman's been running now. But at this point, Superman's been running an awful long time. And he's this big blue and red Boy Scout. And he's the pinnacle of everything that is good. He is like the, the um, avatar of justice and, and you know, a shining example of humanity and what everyone should look up to and try to be. To the point where he almost became a cliche, I guess. It's like, yeah. if you ever see anything, like even back then, let alone now, if you see something uh, 
trying to take the mickey out of um you know caped superheroes it'll be an overblown exaggeration of the too good to be true all-american hero superman type yeah and that's that's basically to the point where you know people people were getting because there was no pathos there there was no um he was he wasn't fallible he wasn't human in any way because because they tried to make him the best example of what it is to be human and because he was just so like omnipotent as well like it's difficult to find it's difficult to read a super superman comic and perceive any threat because at this point you know that superman is going to there's no um peril there because you know that at the end of the day who the fuck can beat superman <laughs> like unless you've got mm. um kryptonite or magic <laughs> you're screwed so unless you're some uh, unless you unless you're a magic user like uh, mixelpick i i can't say his name is that how you say his name mixelpick the little elf that torments superman <laughs> I, I can usually say it if i see it written out a bit yeah. off memory yeah uh, I, I'm not the person. So unless you mix or pick, or you've got a bunch of kryptonite, what can you do? Uh, so you either need an incredibly rare rock from his home planet, or you need magic. Right? The only two ways that you can possibly put a dent in him. But I mean, even then, it, it's you know at the end of the day that Superman. It, it's not. It's not a feat for him to overcome something. If you understand what I'm trying to say, it's not like watching Batman do something, is it? Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no, there's almost no struggle. And like a lot of the time uh, in Superman stories that I've, because I've read a lot, like obviously since um, Death of Superman, uh, I say a lot. I've I've dipped in and out of some Superman stories and obviously a lot of crossover stuff. But in um, a lot of the stuff that um, I've read that came before the Death of Superman, you know, most of the struggle would be emotional struggle or like moral struggle or you know, uh, you can't save everyone type stories. You know, there wouldn't be anything where it would be like, oh, he's come up against a physical challenge that is so so uh, um, overwhelming that you worry that he won't come out of it by the end of the book it's funny that you bring that up because like that's still kind of the impression i have of superman like it's only ever been challenged a couple of times in stories that i and again i'm not the expert in this i've not read that many superman comics but like i think the only time i've ever had that viewpoint challenged is all-star superman where there's a bit more pathos going on mm. um so it's interesting to hear that like in the run-up to these 90s releases that was the status quo and that was like people were getting tired of it. I guess pe people were tired of it. They're like, oh, well, it's, it's Superman. And they, they, he's the, he's the, he was the, the, the poster boy for DC Comics. He was their, their most, lo their long running, the, the first ever superhero. He's the poster boy for superheroes, right? Mm. And I guess at this point, they were looking for ways to keep him interested and to change things up and to make things different. And to try and, you know, obviously the, hot, the aim of the game is sales. They want to sell comics and you can't sell comics to people who are just like, oh, it's Superman, you know, when, when, when you're putting comics out and the kids that are supposed to be buying them are skating up to the shop with their backwards baseball caps being like, oh, this is meh. I'd rather read Guy Gardner. Like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing wrong? Cause, cause Superman is supposed to be, he's supposed to be your most popular character, but actually he's not, he's failing its job. He's your biggest, he's supposed to be one of your biggest, your big two. Superman and Batman were the big two. It's funny because it seems like he was the sort of greatest generation and like older boomers, like hero. So by the time 
And then that stuff is sort of refreshed in the 70s with uh, Christopher Reeve. Mm. Uh, so like by the time you get through the 80s and get to the early 90s, as you say, as we hit the sort of extreme era, uh, and obviously this is born in the pages of the very comic that we're going to talk about, but like uh, it's already a, a thing of like, uh, this is like dad superhero or yeah. type of thing. Yeah, or exactly. This is granddad superhero type thing. Like yeah. this old hat and uncle and he's like, because all the truth, justice in the American way and it's like, that's lame. Yeah. To quote Mitch from uh, <laughs> Superman 74. <laughs> well, actually, not to quote him, but to, to kind of talk about Mitch from Superman. So there's a character in one of the in, in part of the Death of Superman uh, storyline. There is a character called Mitch, who is a teenage boy who is like, oh, Superman's lame. I prefer Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner gets things done, blah, 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 right? Um, Guy Gardner is... Um, most of you who read comics will know Guy Gardner as the asshole Green Lantern with the ginger bowl cut. Um, I don't like him. You shouldn't like him. Don't at me. Okay. He's cool. He's way cooler thought... than Superman. <laughs> I think I thought the comic made really clear that he's really unlikable. Like I, I'm surprised to hear that people preferred him over Superman. People started to like him because of his edge. And this right. is this is what we were going towards at the time in comics anyway. Like people were starting to prefer these like sort of a little bit more twisted anti-hero types that weren't scared to kill people and things like that. And I think that's right. where this was going. And I think Mitch was supposed to be representative of like a kind of an avatar for these these kids that were supposed to be buying comics that weren't buying Superman comics anymore. And maybe it's like they were using Mitch in the Superman comics, or I see it as they were using Mitch in the Superman comics to be to be like, well, now look at look at what you've done. You got what you asked for. You killed him. You killed the greatest one. Your fault. You didn't buy his comics, so we had to, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and I find that quite amusing. And he's he's in um, Superman uh, number seventy four. And he's too cool for Superman till Superman falls in battle and the world learns what Superman actually means. And he blames himself and he turns and he turns with Metropolis in Superman 76 after Superman dies. And um, he's, uh, yeah. He's a bit sad about it and he blames himself. And uh, I feel like he was an avatar for the kids at the time. But circling back. um. It's one of those things where it's a confluence of, of things. So they were cornered into having to kill him. They wanted to create, a, they wanted to raise sales. What they originally had planned to do is the new direction they'd taken with Superman post-crisis was they had had uh, Superman reveal his secret identity to Lois, which hadn't been done before. And uh, so Lois Lane knew that, that Clark Kent was Superman and they had the, um, the, the love story between Lois and Clark. And they were going to get married. And they were going to be married. Uh, the, the plan that they'd laid out through these meetings that they used to have for these, you know, these, these conference meetings between the writers. The plan that they'd laid out is he was going to be married to Lois in um, Adventures of Superman 500. Um, which... They, they had this whole roadmap planned out and they were like, right, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it and everything else. 
And then, um, so we already know Superman is this massive pop culture icon at this point. We know that he's been in films, in television prior to this, radio shows, things like that. Time Warner step in, who they've always had this kind of link with DC, right? And Time Warner were like, well, we're developing this new show uh, about Superman. And at the time, they were developing Lois and Clark. And I think at the time that this was all talked about, Lois and Clark would have been in pre-production because the first episode of Lois and Clark didn't actually air until after Superman had died in the comics. So it didn't actually air until after the death of Superman. Hmm. And Time Warner stepped in and in it, long story short, they basically said to the, to the DC guys that you can't have Lois and Clark married in the comics because they're not married in our show. And what will the viewers think? <laughs> right? Which is the dumbest reason I think I've ever heard in a million years to put the kibosh on something or to force DC's hand to put the kibosh on something. Like, because if you think about what we what we deal with now, as far as like the the disparity between comic and TV show goes, and what they do, the differences and things like that, and even back then, like the things they were doing, the differences between what would be happening in um, a Batman movie and what was happening in the, you know, it wasn't the same. It was it was it, it there was there was always a disconnect. And there always will be a disconnect. And I feel yeah. that they were looking for a problem that wasn't there. I don't know. I, know what, I mean, I'll tell you what, Leon, I'll throw to you because you're the TV guy. What, what yeah. do you like? What do you see in this? Well, it, it's interesting because even, say, 10 years later, that still becomes an issue. And I think it's only once we get to the teens that, or maybe the late aughts, where places like DC end up having, starting their own sort of TV universes with like the Arrowverse, while also uh, gearing up with their uh, their movies, starting with uh, Man of Steel in 2013, so I guess it's the early aughts, where that starts to not become as much of an issue, where you can have two flashes and have multiple super people um, but still, you can't quite have multiple Batman. But there, there is there was a, a weird sort of thing there where only in semi recently have these companies been able to understand that the audience can hold multiple things in their head at once. And I think part of that is just like ushered in from like a sort of infantilization of of the audience, but also. You you will have the thing where, uh, without that sort of education, common Joe on the street might be like, huh? But how come the da 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 da? And it's like, really, all you got to do is just be steadfast once, and it's fine. Because like, if you look at say, uh, the Dark Knight as, as as an example of something slightly slightly different, where like it's a sequel to a Batman movie, and it doesn't have Batman in the title. That was a shocking thing to do all the way in two thousand eight. Even though it's like, yeah, Batman Begins did pretty well. People are going to know, like, it's a Batman movie and stuff. But it was still, like, a shocking thing to do. And, like, uh, a bit of a, uh, a, a quote-unquote, risk from Warner Brothers. And it just took, like, a bit more of a gutsy sort of marketing PR and and, uh, upper brass to be like, yeah, let's go for it. 
and now that thing's referred to as the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, but like back then, it was still quite uh, tricky because I remember a couple years earlier on the Marvel side, Spider-Man 2 was originally going to be called The Amazing Spider-Man. And they backed off and said, people won't know it's a sequel to Spider-Man. Like, that's mm. what the thinking was like. And around that time in 2001, you had Smallville uh, um, airing on the WB. And even though it's the same company who have the full rights to the character, their stipulations to do teen Superman were that uh, it was no flights, no tights. He was never allowed to be in any suit throughout the, the run, and he was not allowed to fly. So what he ended up is like with a show that had 10 seasons, and in, in the later seasons, he's basically Superman. He's in Metropolis. He's not in college or anything like that. He's basically, he works at the Daily Planet, but still he can't dress up or be called Superman until the very final episode. Spoilers. And so it's, it's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. So going back to the 90s, I could see why that would it'd be a thing to, to the degree where they would pre- prevent the comics from doing something because a TV show is going to happen, because regardless of how big a comics were at the time, TV was king in the early 90s. Yeah, TV was a place where a sitcom could get 30 million people, 40 million people watching it weekly. Whereas now- nowadays, if a TV show gets over 5 million people watching it, it's a mega success. <laughs> that's, my, that's my Seinfeld baseline. <laughs> But yeah, like it—it it was one of those things. So they decided. So basically, their their whole wedding got set fire to, <laughs> and they weren't allowed to do this wedding idea for Lois and Clark now. So I—I believe I think that after that, the next time they had a story conference, they were like, "What the fuck do we do now?" Jerry Ordway stood up and said, "Let's kill him," and everyone just clapped. <laughs> I think that must be how it went. <laughs> that's in my mind. That's how it went. Obviously, I don't know, you, but in my mind, that's how it Have went. you ever heard the uh, the story that sounds apocryphal, but it's not, of how um, James Cameron sold uh, his aliens? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kills me. Go on, though, sorry. Tell me. What, where the, what, the, the idea sounds fake, but it actually happened. On a, on a chalkboard, he just wrote the word alien and then put an S and put a, the, the line through to make it a dollar sign. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, yeah. And I, I wonder if that was the thing with Superman where they just wrote on the chalkboard Superman and then put a big <laughs> mark through it and put R.I.P. and everyone started clapping. Woohoo! They wrote Uberman and then put an S in it. <laughs> <laughs> <Dollar> sign. <laughs> that alien story, all I can think of is like um, those panelled memes of like, um, what's his name? Uh, the WWF um, owner. Oh my God. Vince uh, McMahon. Vince McMahon. With the um, getting more and more excited, where it's oh, like yeah. alien, huh? Aliens, <laughs> huh? Dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was a thing um, to keep the show and the comics in sync, and uh, obviously, thus was born the idea to kill Superman. So at the time as well, in the comics, they were bringing in loads of stuff, um, like because they they revamped it and they were bringing in like a bunch of old Jack Kirby concepts as well. So you'll notice from read you guys, when you've read um, the death of Superman comics organization called Cadmus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's Jack Kirby AF. You can tell from the character designs, Um, the newsboy (laughs) legion, that kind of stuff, you know, all that kind of weird Jack Kirby stuff was getting brought back in and they were doing, 
um some really cool things with that and they were they were sort of like playing with all this this um they they played with all the toys in the box basically um and um yeah so well the, the thing i heard about this and again i could be wrong and i've only like referred to a couple of sources but the thing i heard was because of the um the tv show wedding thing and they they weren't allowed to do it for the comics it was quite a slight decision to kill him off and then it turns out they were surprised at how how popular this story became like in the general public like outside of the comic fan base where it became news articles and it was like you know being reported on as a like a big thing that superman had died whereas for them the intent was just to push out a story because they had to put something out in replacement of the wedding like i don't know if there's any truth to that in my in my mind <clears throat> it's um i'm not i, I don't know um because there's any any of the sources i've looked at the picture i've managed to put together in my head is that they needed to the, the the reasons for for doing this are twofold they needed to revitalize and keep superman interesting and what way to do that than to kill him and to prove to people that you know this is to, to prove to people how important he is let's kill him and then they'll realize how important we can we can show how important he was to the, the the universe in which he resided by killing him and showing the outpouring of grief and everything else um and that that will show people how important superman was to them and actually make them realize oh shit you know Maybe Superman was worth reading it after all. Maybe Superman should have been something I should have had more respect for. Um, and also, at the same time, uh, as being a way to, you know, to, to sell comics and to prove to people how important Superman was, um, it was an alternative to being able to marry Lois and Clark. Um, and I think it was less haphazard than... In my mind, it's less haphazard and more they were... It was a bit more calculated because I think it's there was funny, some, I, I, yeah. I was going to say, cause I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was sort of picked up as a gimmick and then they realized in retrospect, like how much impact it had. And then they had to retroactively write in a bunch of like weight, weightiness to it. Um, cause that's, that's how I feel about these two volumes that we read. I feel like death of Superman is relatively slight. And then the stuff that comes after it, um, in funeral for a friend is where I find like, the majority of what interests me, which is like people's reactions yeah. to it in in universe and like people grieving about the the vacuum mm. that's left when Superman isn't there, and I feel like that wasn't really put into Death of Superman because it's just like dude comes out of the ground, murders him, and then we we don't hear like we never learn anything about Doomsday after that. Like I'm still shocked that at the end of Funeral for a Friend, yeah. I don't know what Doomsday was about. Like there's no, I feel like there's no yeah. consideration there for that well, character. I think there was a press release prior to them killing him in the comics they released it to the press and said oh yeah you know in this issue we're going to kill him to build hype to sell the book right. and that's why superman the comic in which he dies became the most one of the the, the biggest selling comic of all time so superman number 75 sold a ridiculous amount of comics um, and if you look at some of the news coverage and things and like it was it it's it's like that every local every news stations from local right up to national were covering this 
Mm. even in the uk like there's a there's a video i found and um it, it's it's news it's coverage from news round do you remember news round cbbc yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> news round covered the death of superman so it, it was it was absolutely everywhere it, it and, and it was one of those things where i think i think it was a bit more calculated than what you're saying rahul because i think they they let on that they were going to kill him to sell the book to drive sales, to get people queuing outside of comic shops. I mean, there's a picture that I've got um, in the Google Doc, which is like a newspaper clipping. Um, I don't know if you guys have got the run sheet open and can see it, but the, the Superman mm -hmm. line outside the comic book shop. Um, yeah, and that doesn't surprise me, because like that was... It's only a handful of years after like when Bat Fever hit the nation, right? To like take that in quotes. Because... Like, that's when the general public like were rallying around superheroes for like the first time in big pop culture, right outside of the comic. So that that doesn't surprise but, me, I guess. But like, I was going to yeah. throw it back to you guys and say, like, actually though, what do you think about this book? Because I was relatively unimpressed with mm. Death of Superman, apart apart from maybe in its construction, because I think they do some interesting things with like, yeah. um, like how many panels per page and stuff that sort of track over the course of these issues and whatever, like. There's some cool constructive things going on, and the art artwork's really good. But otherwise, it's just him getting pummeled for seven issues and then dying. And like, I don't know, maybe I missed something in why it was such a. And again, I'm looking at this as somebody who's read it for the first time in 2022, and you know, I've seen lots of other different, slightly more considered meditations on the death of a hero kind of thing. Mm. Um, and if this is somebody's first exposure to that, then I could see how it could be impactful. But like. Looking back on it, I'm I'm left a little bit cold with this first one. I'm you know I'm I'm more warm on what follows. This is the 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 big the this is like probably the most high profile one. I mean I think they'd uh, before this Marvel had been killing X Men characters off and things like that, but hmm. X Men characters weren't cultural icons. And the most interesting thing about that photograph, Rahul, is at the time. They were queuing for Superman, which, as, as I said before, was something that people were now pretty ambivalent to. Mm, right, right. <laughs> Until they decided to kill him. And then a lot of it, and then this is where the, the kind of like the speculator thread comes into it as well, because people were buying copies purely to hold on to for speculation and to sell. And people were, you know, buying things, they were buying copies of this comic um say you know in in their mind thinking things like this is going to put my kids through college or whatever um and uh, well yeah we'll we'll get on to how that went <laughs> but yeah um it's um yeah it's it's just it's just one of those things it's 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 one of those things that this just it still astounds me and things like that. And the, the comic books themselves, um, they do do some interesting things mechanically with the page, uh, the, the panels per page, like you were saying. It, it kind of, as, as they get closer to killing him, it's like, you know, it goes down in, in number of panels per page, doesn't it? It decreases. Yeah, I really like yeah. how it does that. It's, it's almost like a countdown to yeah. uh, an issue of like when he dies and it's one, uh, it's a splash page mm. per page kind of thing, which is really interesting. Yeah. But what I wanted to also get onto is um, the way in which it was such a shock thing. And like you said, it felt very throwaway. 
I think is what you what you were getting at by saying how it's just something that just happens. Hmm. Um, yeah. But I feel that in in the the kind of lack of build up and the complete tear through nature of it is the is the actual shock because we're talking about metropolis the land of blue skies and you know blue skies and good guys right <laughs> it's not it's not um it's not gotham we don't we don't expect things like this to happen in metropolis and all of a sudden this 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 beast from nowhere comes out of the ground tears a hole across america and defeats 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 america's greatest champion like defeats earth's greatest champion without without even trying and it's like superman just just is at the mercy of a steam train like this 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 hyper powered steam train called doomsday and we know that towards the end of the 80s and into the early 90s, popularity was shifting towards these hard-edged anti-hero types, more violence, more grit, less sheen. Um, and these heroes, Superman was not. And Superman comics were in the midst of a downturn in sales. We know this. We know actually that Batman was outselling Superman at this point because I've had a look at sales figures. Um, and Batman was DC's biggest seller. And I think the biggest selling comic overall, I'm, I'm looking at direct market figures, but only for the US. And I think the biggest selling comics at the time were all X-Men books anyway. Um, but like for, for decades, he was the ultimate hero and the ultimate shining example, the ultimate boy, boy scout. And Superman no longer reflected the world around him. And this character, Doomsday, this, this villain that they brought in to do the deed was an embodiment of everything that Superman was not. And to have him tear through Metropolis, this, this blue-skied, beautiful, beautifully calm, you know, clean city, and just completely turn it inside out and turn Superman inside out is, if you think of it that way, and to do it without any explanation or rhyme or reason is, is kind of the, the shocking thing about it. And when you sit and think about it like that, it's kind of like, okay, I can see what they were getting at. Or maybe I'm giving the it too is, much weight. The thing is, though, like, we've covered this being done better with, like, uh, Nightfall. Because, mm. like, the Bane stuff is so built up in the run-up to their big confrontation. Yeah. And all the stuff with uh, Jean-Paul is all built up that by the time we get to the, the back break, like, it, there's there's a lot of weight to it. When this, like, Superman dies, and like, this is just this is me on my Doomsday hate train because I'm <laughs> I hate Doomsday. I've never liked Doomsday. I always thought Doomsday was like a, a, a trash bad guy to do. Like the the whole thing of like it just being this random thing, and he's like really uninspired design wise, and it's just brute force. There's no uh, rhyme or reason, really, apart from him being tough. And he does a lot of that, it. Like, he, causes... he does a lot of it with one arm tied behind his back. Yeah, well, he, he bodies <laughs> the, the Justice League like that. Cliche yeah. much. But, like, it, it's uh, like, it, it, it's, and there's no interesting thing. There's no, like, backstory. There's no 
uh, theme or like really like nuanced metaphor going on. He's just this lame monster uh, that is like semi-verbal, just like, and and doesn't even fight in an interesting way. Let's, uh, mm. Doesn't even use powers in an interesting way. Just like punches, and it's like uh, it, it. It's not even a cool thing of like, oh, you see, because the doomsday was the blah blah blah. Any reading of that isn't that interesting. So, like, I've never liked Doomsday and how uh, the Death of Superman thing happens. And I've said this to Marv for decades. <laughs> I hate, like, the final impact thing. It's so lame. So, like, I think, uh, like, I, I don't think it's constructed in the panel well. Not like like going comparing again to Nightfall, the back crack is iconic. Yep. That panel mm. is iconic. Best panel of all and time, then, man. Like Superman dying. It's such a lame sort of fudgy. You can't really feel the you you can't feel the impact so much. They have to tell you. They have yeah. to tell you in boxes. The impact was so strong that like, people could feel it. It's like. Put it on the page. <laughs> uh, like I've just never liked the whole Doomsday thing. Then, so but it's then what about me. what about the splash page of Lois holding his broken body? Uh, yeah, I'll but, tell you. I'll I'll give you a, an a, an answer to that, Greg. I think that was done much better. Not even having to go for because half of my notes Leon's already talked about with um the comparisons to Nightfall and the build up with Bane and everything because yeah. I wanted to talk about that, but. Another thing that I was going to bring up is um, the adaptations, because one of my favorite adaptations of all time, comic-wise, is um, the animated Superman Doomsday movie. Um, and the, the the beating that Doomsday gives Superman there, all of this still stands, Doomsday being uninspired. I mean, he's even lamer in that because he's got a computer brain or something in that movie. But when he's punching the life out of Superman, like the, you get all these reaction shots from everyone in Metropolis. You get the, 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 the shockwave damage and everything. You get one of my favorite lines in anything ever, which is... Um, when he's being beaten to death, um, Jimmy Olsen like lowers his camera in shock, and then Lois Lane gets like Superman's blood splashed across her face, and she's so numb that all she can say is "Eyes on the action, Jimmy." And it's just, it's it's heartbreaking. It's rend it's like soul rending that moment just because it's constructed slightly better. So I completely agree with what Leon's saying with like that final panel. That that last like double KO. It doesn't even look like they're really hitting each other. It kind of looks yeah. like they've pushed each other out of the way of each other's punches, and then all of a sudden they're both dead from the strength of what looks like eh, a nudge on the chin. <laughs> I'm really pleased to hear you guys both say that because I was like tiptoeing around that fact. Where like actually no, I wasn't really. I said I was very disappointed <laughs> in this opening, like because it does feel like really soft. It feels like that thing where you have a you're like you're stuck in a in a in a nightmare, and like when you're trying to punch somebody, and it feels like it has no weight to it. Like you feel mm. like you're punching through you know, uh, molasses yeah. or whatever. Like, because all it is is just punch after punch after punch, and it kind of zooms in and in and in a bit. But, yeah. like, that's the only weight you really get from it. And, like, if anything, I'll defend the the pose of Lois, like, cradling Superman, where, because you see it again a couple of pages before, where you see the Kents watching it on TV. And, like, mm. I feel like the entire run-up could be removed, and you could just have, like, those final couple of images, and without all the soft, fudgy action before it that would have had more impact on its own because like those 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 images are quite um impactful i think because like just seeing the fact that he's broken and bloodied and being cradled by the love of his life like that tells you everything you need to hear about everything that went up up until that point right yeah and, and the thing like, is 
that's mm. the iconic shot him him mm. dead being cradled but it's not the the final impact yeah it's not the back crack right like, yeah. yeah 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 i, I 100% agree with what you guys well said. i think and that's the thing i think in, in the in the 07 animated superman that marv is referencing mm. the final blow like that movie is mixed yeah it's got some great stuff in it and then it's got a lot of not great stuff especially the second half but <laughs> the fight is really good and the final blow like I remember at the time talking to Marv about this because uh, like we had watched it around the same time, and I remember like going back to this comic and like comparing them and being like, "How is the final blow better in the animation than it is in the comic?" Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Greg, I cut you. Off. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. <laughs> I I I'm I'm of the school of thought that the that the lack of build is the reason that it has. That it's just like the so much like. It's it's the fact that I mean people complain about the quality of the comments and yes yes the, you know it is I'm not gonna lie I agree with a lot of your points about the fudgy punches and everything else it it feels it doesn't feel as impactful as it could but I think mm. I think Nightfall learned from that and Nightfall was able to do what it could because Superman did it first mm. oh of course of course and. You can say that it's handled poorly, but the more you look at it and the more you consider it, you actually begin to see it, see it as a frustrated strike out against the throngs of comic fans who no longer cared about Superman. And the thing is, I can see that as a meta um, thing around it. Yeah. I can see that as a cultural thing around it. But in terms of the actual construction of the story, yeah. um, that's 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 where the the sort of schism happens. Because yeah. yeah. like um, for for me, the impact, the, the the raw impact of the death of Superman is everything around it. It's as you said, like when we were talking it's about the um, for and when we were yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Even before that, um, like we were talking about when we were on the Nightfall app and when we, um, I was back for the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, when we talk about the impact of like big storylines, I think in both episodes we talked about like me being a kid and like walking past comic book shops and seeing like the giant Death of Superman posters and the huge cardboard cutouts and seeing like news clips from like yeah. as you said news round like on like a British children's TV show covering the death of Superman in America having like Fox News and like, well I don't know if it was Fox News but these American news programs do segments on the death of a comic book character that was the 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 gut punch that got me was like the entire world is talking about this storyline rather than it being the impact of that final panel yeah um and like i i i love all the meta stuff because as you as we were talking about with like jean paul in nightfall and everything it was like the comic book creator saying is this what you wanted well this is what the world would look like if we actually did it you idiots yeah 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 <laughs> it's it's I, I love to hear you talk about those kind of stories because again i wasn't around for any of that i wasn't exposed to any of these these comics and i you know i wasn't exposed to the posters or any of that hype and it's also partly that's also like uh, a story of just aging up because if that happened now it wouldn't mean the same to me i guess i mean sometimes it it does like the hype train works for me with certain marvel films and we've talked about this a bunch <laughs> but like it's nice that you're at the right age for you know that what? to happen where it could blow your fucking little mind right <laughs> <laughs> and like be like it being a thing in the world that to all the adults who existed uh, in the same time period and like didn't care about comics it, it's ancillary to them it means nothing you know, to you as a kid like it was everything because you could see the exposure yeah. everywhere like i yeah. i really love to hear that secondhand because it's almost then i can relive it through you. do you know what's funny about that as well the fact that yeah. if you watch any of these news segments and when they're interviewing fans in comic book shops these teenagers wearing their yeah. their smashing pumpkins t-shirts and shit right 
Like, <laughs> it's, it's like they're interviewing these Alice in Chains fans, okay? And they're all like, oh, um, well, you know, I, I think it's a cash grab. They're going to kill him. They'll bring him back in a few issues. So even then, they knew what the game was. <laughs> and uh, we talk about the hype and everything else. And we talk, but, but like, yes, it, it, for small minds, children, then, yes, it, this would have been huge. But, like, the seasoned comic book fans that they were interviewing in the shops were so jaded, man. It's like, that's how we are now. And they were like that yeah. back then. And they already knew right, they were going right. to kill him and bring him back in a few issues. Like, and, and it's no secret because literally, literally the entire arc is called The Death and Return of Superman. If you buy the omnibus, it's called Death and Return of Superman. Because guess what? He doesn't stay dead. <laughs> but it, it's... I'll tell you what. Oh, go on, go on. It's just so telling that they, they when they're interviewing these kids, they already had had it in mind that this is what they were doing like it's so so telling and so like um i think the only people that believed superman was dead for good were the people that like like i said these people that weren't comics fans that bought the book as an investment and when we know how that went for them don't we yeah <laughs> well you guys do i don't so i'd be keen to hear you you'll learn about it you'll, you'll learn about it oh, obviously it's the, okay. it's the rules of the more people that buy the book, the less it's worth, right? Mm. Um, but, um, no, I was gonna, I was gonna yeah. say quickly. Um, when we talk about like uh, what Rahul was saying to build off that, and like being there in the throng of it, and like not being like so much of a comic fan back then that I would have been in the comic comic book shops every week, like you know, uh, awaiting the drop of this issue and blah blah blah. But like just seeing it in in the you know when I was buying my Spider Man comics, all I could see was the advertisement for this upcoming storyline with the death of Superman and stuff. Um, but I was kind of like the key demographic um, that this story and the subsequent ones were after. Like I was, I literally was the mark because yeah. I didn't give mm -hmm. a, a crap about Superman at that point. Um, you know, to me, he was, as we've said, the boring hero who never dies unless you've got some green crystal in your pocket. So I would never have bought a Superman book. And then this happened and I, you know, I didn't buy it straight away, but I did go back and look at it as a cultural icon a, a few years later. Yeah. But more importantly, in terms of like liking the edgier um, characters and stuff, I mean, I've already talked about how much I liked um, uh, Jean-Paul Batman's um, original design before he started bolting tank parts to it. Um, <laughs> but also, when once you get to um, you know spoilers, Reign of the Supermen, um, I walked into a comic book shop and was absolutely floored and bought the first issue of Superboy because he just looked so goddamn cool. Like that I was that kid where they're like, oh, not nosed hey, asshole. <laughs> but I was that kid where from where all of the uh, you know the executives are like oh well let's give him a leather jacket and sunglasses these idiot kids will eat it up and there I was with my pocket money like give me more please <laughs> in your leather jacket and sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I mean he was a style icon but he was a knob and we'll, we'll get onto that when we get onto the, the reign of the Superman comics. Uh yeah, we will. I'll, I'll have to stamp my foot and defend him because he's my favourite Superboy. But we'll get there. If, we'll get I don't there. think there's anything defensible about him, to be fair. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't mind spoilers at all for anything um, coming up ahead, but I did want to like explicitly ask. Um, so I've only read Death of Superman and Funeral for a Friend, but do we ever learn anything more about Doomsday? Ever? At any point? Not, not, there is... not until af way after this. I oh. was going to say not not in this comic run. I think wasn't it like a decade later or something? They had the back the backstory for uh, Doomsday and then the return of Doomsday and all this stuff. Something like that, yeah. 
That's yeah, but, but the the whole the whole point, uh, uh, the what I wanted to come to with Doomsday is like legend has it that his design, uh, when they were coming up with designs, it was based around what was kind of popular at the time. So what he looks like under the suit with all the bone spurs and everything, hmm. like these jagged bones coming out of his elbows and stuff like that, is like. Um, well, because th- there's another character in this same book that looks basically identical, like somebody from the underground, whatever. Yeah, but he like, looks like he, bones coming out of his face. He looks like it's a less violent. Dude. He looks like a less violent version of Doomsday. But, if anything, I think it looks like a more violent version. But like, <laughs> fair enough. But Doomsday, Doomsday was based on it, kind of like the, the popular designs at the time, the stuff that Image Comics were pumping out, the edgy the stuff that kids wanted, like these kind of like radical radical designs with huge muscles and big spiky hair and you know guns and stuff he did kind of look like he could have been a sidekick to savage dragon or something yeah exactly yeah and that's that's where that comes from and that's where um i guess in 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 almost in the same way they did with nightfall with jean paul being all spiky and stuff and, and with batman being bested by bane um but without as much build and, and pathos and everything else because it's it, it, you know they kind of they could have they could have they could have handled it a lot better and they could have done a lot more with it but that's that's kind of where that comes from in in kind of it being the antithesis to what superman is and like you know for for these throngs of comic fans that no longer cared about superman and the genesis and the beginning of superhero comics like you know it, it we after this beyond this in the beginning, in Funeral for a Friend and, and beyond, we, we get to see what a world without Superman looks like. And we're treated to a lesson in ethics and in justice and in how much we actually need the shining example to light the way. Do we, though? And, like, it, <laughs> does, it, does it give you... Like, it talks about America being half turned into a wasteland or whatever. You never really get to see the consequences of that. They talk about there being a power vacuum in the absence of Superman, but really we see a bunch of street-level thugs sort of being pounced on by the JLA. I don't know how big a deal they are or whatever, but like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel like the power vacuum doesn't feel as tangible as it did in Nightfall. No, but then me. again, it, this is it, Nightfall is like did everything this did but better and it was only able to do that because it had the building blocks there in the first place. This was the foundation. Mm. Okay. okay. So it is. It is a. It's, I can see both sides of this because it is. Um, it's a fair critique to to judge things um, against things that have come out after the uh, the thing that we're talking about. However, it is. You do have to take into appreciation that it was. You know, the first to kind of do this sort of thing. Yeah. But it is. It's a stark contrast, though. Yeah. To see like, um, you know, Gotham without Batman versus a world without Superman. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like. One the the thing that I think hits harder in Funeral for a Friend and like everything uh, after the death of Superman, um, less so than the power vacuum and the crime and stuff because that's handled terribly in terms of like you know Superman is dead and it's like oh this guy's stealing more oranges from the corner store. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But it's more the you know nightwing trying to find someone's long you know estranged husband and like build rebuilding mitch's house um and mm. reading all of the superman sort of fan mail slash god help us please and like they're just like let's just try and spread a little bit of good in the world i can't believe that clark was doing all this behind the scenes as well as all the other stuff that we saw him doing that stuff hit hard mm. where like mm. they're in the mail room and you've just got all these letters from like it's it's 
it's kind of like the um the Batman v Superman uh, Day of the Dead thing of everyone reaching towards Superman and him sort mm. of looking like uh, apathetic, but done right, where it's like, oh, this is how you visually convey that people around the world rely on Superman as a not just a beacon of hope, but like to actually help them out with stuff as well. Yeah, mm. but it's so, like those pages really hit me. But hard. It's the stuff on the ground in Metropolis as well, like Bibbo. Yeah, and. <laughs> Who the fuck is Bibbo? Like, I saw his name mentioned. I know, who, like, physically, who we're talking about. Who is he? What what value does he have to any of this? He's... Like, historically, <laughs> what's the context? He's Superman's that? buddy. He runs and... the bar. Cool. <laughs> fine. Like, I, I, like about this these these two books that I've read. I have like a handful of opinions, and I've gone over them a couple of times already. But like, many, many, many questions. Most of which will be repeated variants on who the fuck is this guy, and why should I care. Yes. you're not alone and bear in mind i've read a lot of this before yeah. but like there are dozens of random jabronis <laughs> there's dozens of them and i'm like you got who are you guys like, the, thing, the worst thing is the worst thing is because like you've got those like because it's bad enough you know you think about nightfall and you're like oh if you haven't um been keeping up with batman you might not know why he's got like a tiny little non-verbal man named harold in his garage that helps him out with like uh <laughs> like engineering shit like that's bad enough but then like you said when you've got like some some guy who looked like he walked out of an old rock, rocky movie and runs a bar and there's all these other people that are just these ancillary characters but it's made even worse by the fact that the very beginning of it starts with like the Justice League, not even B team, the C team. I remember when I first C read. C team? Are you sure, Mo? The Z team. <laughs> the C team. I was being charitable. When I first read Death of Superman, I looked, I opened the pages up and I'm like, who the hell are these people? Where's Batman? Where's the Flash? Where's Wonder Woman? You know, and obviously there's reasons for them not to be there, but it makes it um a lot less impactful when, you know, Doomsday is kicking the crap out of people. You're like, I have never read this before. Yeah, I don't like, know their powers. I'm like, of, of course he is beating the the crap out of them. <laughs> guys in pajamas. <laughs> Bibbo is Superman's favorite. Superman is Bibbo's no, favorite. And can I interrupt? Because I don't actually want to hear about who Bibbo is. I've got two <laughs> big questions. I want to know what the fuck is going on with Lex Luthor. Like, who is he? I I gather that it's like a clone of the. Are you, previous are you ready for this? Or some... Are you ready for? Wait, this? wait, wait. But oh, wait, before you before you carry on, and also, why is Supergirl made out of gas? Are you ready like, for? What, are you ready for this? Two... Please go. Oh my god! Right, so. Post crisis, um, Lex Luthor is dying of cancer. Lex Luthor transplants his bane into a younger clone of himself, but instead of, to, but and then hides this by saying that this is his estranged Australian son. So he's putting on an Aussie accent. Okay, so uh, that was going to be another question. Lex Luthor isn't canonically Australian. Like, no, no, but his, guy, but his, right? uh, but his, his estranged son is. Okay. All right. Cool. Who's actually his clone <laughs> with cool. a luscious ginger mane? Um, now, now explain Matrix because that was the when when I got to that Matrix? panel as a kid. Well, not as a kid, as a teenager, I guess. Reading, um, reading Death of Superman because it was years after night I read Nightfall when Doomsday punches Supergirl and her yeah. face turns to putty and she yeah. hits the ground as a piece of burnt jerky. I'm like. What is happening? Yeah, what's what going on? Is... That was a legit jump scare. You don't get those often in comic books, but like, what is going on? So, Matrix, um, she, um, is cre she was created by an alternate Lex Luthor. She's a shape-shifting life form, and, um, basically, you know, because they killed Supergirl in Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Yes. 
Hmm. And to bring Supergirl back, <laughs> they they had this weird ass Supergirl that isn't Supergirl that is this shape shifting life form from a pocket dimension that um, comes back with Superman and is for a while helped by the Kents and raised by the Kents in sort of inverted commas. And then she oh, she okay. um, she ends up smooching Lex. Yeah, why is she shacked up with uh, Lex too? Oh my god! Also, like this just raises more questions. She was raised by the Kents, but they don't mention her at all throughout these two books. And like we see a lot of the Kents after Superman dies, they don't ask about her. Like, what's... Oh. I don't, I don't know. I don't really care. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like the the only thing that made me uh, caught on onto that, and it was only this time reading it. I don't remember that from um, my first time reading it. Was when Supergirl picks Lois up. I think during the funeral for a friend part, and she was like, "Yeah, oh, um, you know, me, you, Lana, and the and the Kent parents are the only people who know Clark's identity and everything." It's mm. like, oh, I guess Matrix does know Superman. Then it's not just that she lives in Lex Luthor's, you know, bunker and sits on his lap all day. <laughs> that 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 scene you're talking about made me more concerned about like why is she being an asshole to Lois Lane? I, I didn't really understand what was going on there. Oh, um, she met I she met saw... and fell in love with Lex Luthor because Lex Luthor's playing his nice Australian son at this point. Mm. Um, right. But this is after she's lived with the Kents and become delusional from living with the Kents and, and shape-shifting and becoming Superman and getting defeated by the real Superman and coming to her senses and then going off into space. <laughs> that sounds like a lot. <laughs> it's enough to mess anyone up, fair enough. And then coming back and falling in love with the nice Lex, nice Lex Luthor. Because at this point as well in the comics, you've probably noticed that everyone thinks that... not every, People, people like, don't look at Lex the same way. They don't view him as a threat so much. Yeah, I do find that really interesting, actually. Like yeah, how duplicitous he is because he's like, not—he's not. It all culminates. Yeah, mm. because he's—he's—he's he's masquerading as his, like, he's masquerading as his strange Australian son. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's still—he's still just driven by petty bitterness. Oh yeah, he's driven. He's the same Lex Luthor. It's—it's it's like old Lex brain, new Lex body. So kind of amazing yeah i love that i love that scene well there's two scenes actually but like when he finally gets the body back jumping ahead and he's like i need a moment alone to pray and then like and everyone leaves he's like got you you dirty son of a bitch i'm gonna bury you you fucking asshole and he's like oh okay there's lex Luthor. but he's the last person to see his body not lois i also love i also love the fact that he's like smashing a chair over doomsday and they're like lex calm down we all miss him and he's like it should have been me that killed him it should have been me (laughs) he's so angry about it yeah so funny One one thing, one parallel, and I know that I always do this. If you get me on to talk about anything, I'll relate it back to either video games or anime. But um, the whole death of Superman from the beginning to the final punch, it feels like a really bad parody of a Dragon Ball arc. Like, you get the whole thing of, like... Um, You've got the the low level Z fighters trying to hold their own while Goku's off doing something else, and I I really appreciate the thing of like Superman being in an interview as the whole like oh that's the reason Goku's training off somewhere that's why Krillin's getting this shit pushed in, and it's like oh you know then he finally realizes that something's going wrong when he catches wind of a news report or whatever, but like from that to the way that the fighting happens and you know some of the the quips that are uh, put you know put on and everything uh, to the the final fight being just like blow after blow punch after punch it feels like someone who really hates shonen anime 
putting on a terrible parody of it. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> but um, it's this is just you know. when we get onto funeral for a friend this is where it actually starts to get interesting yeah because after the after the dust has settled and and after you know all the 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 dust has settled and and like the fallout of of, there's a while where it's like is superman actually dead and they spend a while trying to bring him back and it doesn't work and they even melt the damn paddles supercharge the paddles (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I do kind of love how drawn out that is. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> same. Because it's a mess in the way that I don't like to read a mess, but it feels very realistic in in terms of what would happen in the aftermath or something like this. Mm. It's like it's just so it's not neat at all, well, and is... it is all frenzied, yeah. which I quite like. Well, this is my point again about its power and impact, because it's the fact that it is such a shock and something that just just comes out of nowhere and happens, and then. It, it all happens really fast. No one has time to process it or, or, or even think about what the fuck Doomsday is before Superman's dead. However badly him being punched in the face is, is conveyed on the page, in your opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's still, it still has that, that impact in that way, in the fact that afterwards everyone only then starts thinking, well, is he re- can he really be dead? Like, w- you've got to remember like this is this is a world where it, it's it's still where superman is still infallible and and all of a sudden the blue skies of metropolis have been torn in half and superman is lying there on the floor and they're trying desperately to bring him back but they don't even know what to do with his kryptonian biology because they've never had to treat him in hospital before like it, this is all kind of like desperation and new ground for them. Yeah. And I do think they could have spent more time on exactly those topics instead of going off to like, like I've got a list of names here, but just like all the other ancillary characters and like the newsboys and whoever yeah, these yeah, people are. Get me like, started on the goddamn newsboy. Don't you dare <laughs> to besmirch the, the name the... of the newsboy legion. I'm going to make you all read Jack Kirby's fourth world now. You're going to make me jump off a roof, I'm afraid. But, um... why, why would you say they're in that? I want to read that. Why would you do that? <laughs> but like in the newsboys, you've got that that woman Thorn that shows up for no reason. You've yeah, got who... that guy who who turns back into Gangbuster, and we're all supposed to be mm. like, oh no, he's picking the mask back up. And I'm like, I don't care about the mask. <laughs> what I what I do love about these final few issues in Funeral for a Friend is like, there's some really fleeting moments of. Um, like sweet fleeting memories that Jonathan has and Lois had, like all the people that loved Superman and Clark Kent. And we, we get like half a page or a page or two of those. And then also, they, yeah. Yeah, and then they, punctu- they punctuate like a full comic full of dreck of, about people that we don't care about and we don't know. And that's really true to real life. Like, I don't know if you've experienced grief and you've experienced loss, but it is a bunch of sweet fleeting memories. And then that's punctuating like the drudgery of procedural necessary plodding daily life and i Mm. i feel like it's an unintentional consequence of the way that this book is constructed but that came across really really strongly to me because like those fleeting moments when they existed on the page were all the more impactful because they were surrounded by crap yeah (laughs) yeah those moments are like the the best Mm. part definitely 
Like they're mm. just handled so well and they feel so true to the character. Yeah. And it's um even a character that you uh, you've got like vagaries, you don't know them as well as you know, like a Lois Lane or something, it still works really well. Feels true and honest. The memories of John really like... John Kent. John Kent's like um little uh where he's like steps into a certain like into the barn for example in yeah he's scene. in the cow shed yeah. and he has he has a memory about like introducing clark to to this cow mm. and like it being a prize-winning cow and then like we see the shadow of it in the background i like i really like the construction of those pages where it's almost like when you can't tell if you're awake or dreaming yeah. because the, the panels blend into each other and it's like it's in the background of his memory or it's in the background of his reality and stuff and like it does that a lot towards the end yeah um mm. And then it fully goes off the rails for the final one where, uh, like, Papa Kent is Oh, the Korean War, and I hate that part. <laughs> See, I, I, I love the artwork for that whole run, yeah. for, like, those bits, but, it is yeah, beautiful. I'm not sure how I feel about his reaching out to Kal-El and all of that stuff. Like, well, really... it, it, it takes a thing that it was doing nice and subtly before and then just hammers it home in a very, like, inelegant mm. and blunt way that is not even, like... Oh, sometimes with sentimentality, you you, you just got to be open-hearted and big. It's not mm. really that. It's just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to. It's like bring... the impact of the stuff before, like yeah. that was cutting. You, you yeah. could feel that. I want to because it was interrupting, like the the shadow of of the heartache kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- those are the most impactful moments for me. But I want to bring bring it back to the street level vigilantes in Metropolis taking up where Superman left off. Um, you might be the only one and but continue. the reason I want to do that is because yes we're all talking about how ineffective and useless they are but they're even ineffective and useless in the comic because like Gangbuster comes back and he, he just like he just he can't do anything he just gets the shit kicked out of him and then the police decide the police come after him and it's like it's like this is the reality of a world without Superman. Like these these vigilantes and stuff that try to take over where Superman left off. It, it's it's ineffective and it's not it doesn't work because Metropolis isn't Gotham. And it it's just it's a completely different beast altogether. And the crime rate just continues to go up. Like these these master vigilantes that that decide they're going to take to the streets in Superman's honor um, aren't actually making a difference at all in fact they're probably just making things worse and that's actually illustrated in the comics um and then you know on top of that we've got like the 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 the, the sort of like the the, the the debacle with the theft of superman's body by cadmus and everything else <laughs> uh, that's another one of my big question marks is like what the fuck is cadmus <laughs> or yeah, actually no uh, to be precise oh god what the fuck is cadmus like, do, See, are, are we going to dive into that? Like, does any of that oh, matter, really? Cadmus um, matters, but because okay. um, I, I, I know I only really know about Cadmus um, because of like what I've read uh, between Death of Superman and what comes fairly soon afterwards, without give, doing too many massive spoilers or whatever. But like, okay. uh, Cadmus matters uh, in the wider world as well, because like, um, oh my God, what's her name? Um, leader of the Suicide Squad, Amanda uh, Waller. Thank you. Um, she is the, the, a head of Cadmus at various points, so it's a it's a yeah. it's an organization that comes back a lot in the comics. It's a Jack Kirby thing, okay. Hmm. And it's something that like he the, brought the in. Concept. Hmm. Sorry. Um, it's like introduce some some signature Jack Kirby sci-fi to the Superman comics. Right. Yeah. Because I like this sort of shadowy organization that has. Hmm. 
you know, sinister plans for the corpse of a superhero. But, like, again, we don't really get that much of it. We're like, we see, oh, they want to clone his body and make a bunch of super soldiers, I guess. But, again, I would have wanted more from that for it to even exist to begin with. Like, don't Mm. put it in there unless you're going to follow through on it with something interesting. Yeah, but their arrival to LexCorp as well, Mm. in a way. Mm. And that's kind of, like, what makes it interesting as well, like, the rivalry of LexCorp. And the fact that they're both fighting over the body because Lex was only, Lex was only going to steal the body anyway <laughs> and use it for something else. So, hmm. you know, because there was that big fight over who should have the body <laughs> with like three different organizations weighing in. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just um, these, these are just like the little ancillary characters that add color to Metropolis. And um, this is this is just what's left after Superman's gone. So get used to your Z tier. <laughs> I do like though when when the A tier do come back. Yeah. Um, like the things that hit me the most. Obviously, we were talking about like um, the the moments of grief in between the drudgery and like having Lois having to sort of try and function at work having to mourn two people who are the same person differently in public and stuff mm. and that there's um a, the scene where not, she finally not being able to mourn because she can't tell anyone that clark's dead exactly yeah and then they, like when she finally gets to clark's apartment and she's like talk to the doorman don't cry get in the elevator don't cry put the key in the door don't cry and then she finally is able to let it out in front of like ma and pa Kent. Yeah. like i actually welled up at that moment because like yeah that's powerful and also mm. um i love the stuff with like um there's character stuff that could be and i have seen it handled worse even in nightfall with people being like oh my god you know i never thought that you know the the cape crusader of gotham would be taken down like this and i didn't respect the guy but oh my god but like there's bits where like um you get batman lamenting on like how you have to take death and use it and he's surrounded by memories of his parents being gunned down and jason todd's uniform and you're like i feel that yeah and then you get like nightwing saying i've known this guy since i was a kid and i've always loved him and tim drake being like i don't know what to say in front of these people i feel like i'm too new i feel like i'll sound like an idiot and it's like we've all been in situations like that where someone you know, someone could have lost their partner or a family member or something. And it's like, I've known that person for a couple of months too. I feel this loss. But if I speak out about anything that I'm feeling, I just going to sound dumb in comparison to the level of grief these people are feeling. You know, I like that they put that sort of dynamic in there yeah. in, you know, what could have just been a bunch of people putting the armbands on and being like, we missed the big blue guy. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, this is the point where Metropolis joins reality in effect, because until now, Superman has been holding Metropolis aloft away from the rest of America or the rest of DC's America, like the sheer lack of um, pure peril that in the sheer lack of danger that has been present in Metropolis while Superman's been around. And now Metropolis comes crashing down like, like the, the, the floating Island in Sonic three, like (laughs) all of a sudden it's on the same level as the rest of DC's America. And it's like Metropolis is the new Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like, what will happen in Superman's absence? You know, B- Superman being this like super effective role model for the rest of the Justice League and an ideal to aspire to for the people of Metropolis and everything else. And now this is what we're left with. And, this is, and, and what's there is ineffectual and unable to keep up until, you know, we get the rest of it. And then there's like the actual funeral scenes as well. Um, 
which I think are quite interesting where they're, they're taking his body to the, to the statue in the park, Centennial park. Yeah. Um, and you've got the rest of the justice league making a show of it, like wonder woman, Batman, etc. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting arc to kind of like understand Superman's place in the world. And I guess if you were a reader at the time and you hadn't been reading Superman comics because you thought Superman was lame, maybe. And then you started to read this and it's laid out for you in kind of like real terms, building blocks, like what Superman's impact and place was and why you probably should have cared a little bit more or had a little bit more respect for the character than you did. Hmm. Um, it, kind of, it kind of lays that out. Um, and that's, that's why I, I really do enjoy that arc and why I'm a big fan of the funeral for a friend stuff. And yeah, the, the, um, Adventures of Superman 500, which was where they were supposed to, which is where Lois and Clark were supposed to have been married. Had it not been for the show, Lois and Clark and, uh, Time Warner stepping in, um, was actually the issue that you guys were saying you don't like, which was the Korean War issue. <laughs> With uh, John Kent I mean, having a heart attack and then being... Um, resuscitated. But, but like, almost like he's in, in some kind of like weird version of the afterlife. You know what it reminded me of most? And I know, obviously, it's years and years later, so it probably cribbed a lot from this. But it reminds me of um, the end of... Um, Oh no, why is my brain doing this today? Not Secret Invasion. What is the comic book where Captain America is Hydra? You know what? I can't remember either, man. I can't remember the name off the top of my head for some reason. And everyone, I know every listener out there is screaming at their like podcast device right now. Yeah. But um, the end Secret of that... Secret Empire? Secret Empire. There thing. we go. That, I just um, Googled it. That that empire that empire that um storyline. There's a moment where you've got um for various. I'm not going to spoil that because it's a really great comic. You should read it. But like, there's a moment where you've got Steve Rogers walking around, quote unquote, in the afterlife, and it is drawn a lot in the very like in the very similar sort of watercolory style. Um, and like with a lot of um, the same sort of themes of walking through one's own memories and trying to sort of reconstruct yourself. It's a really great sequence. And uh, yeah, that was the first thing that it reminded me of when I started looking at the Park Kent stuff. Mm. I, I think I'm warmer on it than than you were, Leon, the way you were describing it. Because I, I think I do agree with you in, in sentiment where like it takes all the good stuff from the previous issue and then it sort of draws it out in a way that isn't quite as impactful. Um, but I do like towards the end where he's sort of floating in space and he encounters another person who I want to ask who is it and why should I care? But like um, Kismet, I think. Um, just like, I really like the artwork for that stuff and him sort of being obliterated into infinity. That whole sense of feeling like you're a small part of a bigger, wider universe and you have more impact. And like some of the power poses that we see Superman in in this war color style, I think are really, really interesting and nice at the very least. Even if it doesn't quite pay off like the emotional high that it's going for. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's mm. so yeah. Kismet is the Lord of Order in the DC universe, protector of the DC universe, kind of on a similar level to some of these forces in the Marvel universe. Like, um, first thing I thought when I saw yeah. her was Eternity. Yeah, that kind, that kind of thing. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that's that's what that's essentially what Kismet is. But um, 
<clears throat> yeah, it's um, it's it's essentially a a, a a less powerful issue than it could have been. Um, and I think I think they could have they could have done something a little better with it, and like they didn't have to do the Korean War because I I feel like that was a really bad choice. Um, I would have liked it if they'd have done something on the farm again. Or yeah, because yeah. like it doesn't pay that off. From I think one either this issue or the previous one has a really great cover where it's uh, like Park Kent in the field. Well, yeah. I guess it does pay that off because that's the very end of it, isn't yeah. it where um, Martha Kent finds him in the field looking at the uh, yeah. the pit that Superman dropped mm. into. Okay, I'll take that back. Because, like, I really love while I'm on that topic, like, I really love that cover. I think it's the best one. That's where he has a heart attack, isn't it? Right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, you, you can pinpoint the moment. Um, but, like, right. Th- how the mighty have fallen, considering that Superman, eventually Superman 500, was supposed to be the wedding issue. Mm. Like,. And then it becomes this, which is, you know, it's supposed to be a big reveal or a a kind of like a semi-return of Superman because we're talking about Superman's spirit. But I don't know, it falls short for me in, in a way. And I I like some of it, but I like some parts better than I like other parts. Because I, I like the stuff with the demons and everything, and the 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 um the I like the the Kryptonian funeral stuff, but mm. like I I don't I don't think the Korean War stuff was necessary. I think I think they could have done something a little bit more interesting with John Kent. I like the stuff of the the sort of pulse. Yeah, that mm. stuff's cool. That stuff's cool. Yeah, but I think I think what they could have done, I would have liked to have seen more stuff on the farm, and mm. like with with him maybe talking to clark as like raising him as a kid but like in like they could have done a thing where it was like clark as a child but then growing up really fast like panel to panel he changes age well it's funny because all the stuff around the edges of the the park and sort of walking into the light flashback like i just don't understand why it's there i don't know why it's um like a conversation that Martha's having with the doctors saying with all the ups and downs we've been through, uh, I've never been this scared that he was going to die. And then it bleeds into that guy with the nunchucks for some reason. And like (laughs) later on, it's, you know, it goes from him being in, uh, in Korea to like some dude in a prison pouring water on a TV. Like, I just don't understand what value these characters have. And then we have Jimmy Olsen, like picking out his favorite picture and stuff. Like some of it really does work. And then some of it, I just don't understand why there or why mm. they're choosing these if i feel like it's arbitrary and they're just picking the characters out of a hat kind of thing the jimmy olsen stuff's cool yeah i do like that yeah. there should have been more of that well you know, people who actually were genuinely close to superman and were impacted by him and have to make choices about what's going to happen next about how the yeah how he's presented on because like one of the things i really liked talking about blurring real life and the in-universe stuff is like there's an issue where it opens with um the front page newspaper yeah and it's mm. like there's a really shitty photograph of like superman's battered corpse pictured from above and i'm like why would they ever put that on on the front page of a newspaper and then that actually kind of becomes the plot point it's like they shouldn't have like it's kind of sensationalized and they shouldn't have put that yeah. picture on the newspaper 
Like I kind of I like that stuff where it feels mm. a bit more thoughtful, and then there's not really that much. Did you did you read overall. the News Time special? Yeah, I might. Yeah, I might, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is kind of like a, an actual issue of News Time magazine, which is a fictional magazine from the DC universe. Yes, mm. and that was what Jimmy Olsen was picking the pictures for, mm-hmm. and he picks the cover picture. Um, which I love the, the um the the obituaries in it where it flits between like comic book characters and then like John Goodman and like just and these, yeah like yeah. all these other random like like real people yeah. like offering Shaquille their O'Neal. thoughts on Superman's passing. Well, there's there's something interesting there because uh, we're getting onto the uh, the crash test dummies now. Mm. So um, another little kind of like bit of apocrypha around the death of Superman is the song Superman song. Um, which I was sending you guys earlier, which I've been listening to on loop for like a couple of weeks. Um, now, the song itself, Superman's song, was actually released like way before the death of Superman in the comics. Um, mm. And uh, the, um, the front man of the Crash Test Dummies maintains that it was... Um, to do with it's like a, it's it's to do with political ideas political philosophy mm. um and the superman in superman song is a left-wing figure etc etc but i it's just too perfect there's an obituary um like as someone giving a eulogy even sorry not an obituary but someone reading a eulogy for superman mm. um it just works too well <laughs> And I'm looking at the cover art for it and everything else. Like, you know, like it's kind of like the, the kind of stuff that you would. You think would you would actually see at the point that Superman died. And the fact that this was I mean, this song was released in uh, 1991, March 91. Mm. And Superman dies at the end of 92, 93. And it's just such a strange coincidence, like to to think that they're both entirely separate and one did not inform the other. And then you've got like a a quote from him in this news time issue (laughs) about how he only picked Solomon Grundy because it was the only thing that rhymed (laughs) with money or something like that. Like, it's interesting. (laughs) It's really interesting. But yeah, he he maintains that it wasn't anything to do with... um, with the actual comic books itself and things like that, because obviously he did an interview about it, but because with it being such big news, people were like, Oh, I wonder if, if he knew anything about it before the rest of us did clearly not. Or so he maintains, (laughs) but I don't know. I think it's too perfect. Have you guys listened to the song? Yeah. Yeah. I listened to it um, earlier today. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean then when you think that it is, it's just too spot on. When you think it about does fit it. very very well yeah it's it's weird but yeah i mean he 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 turns up in that news time um gives a quote in news time uh as do a lot of real life people <laughs> yeah and it is it is rather in- and it's interesting what i like about that issue of news time as well is you've got the death of superman stuff but then there's like all this other like weird in in world stuff going on like rock stars and things like that and and world events and things um and it's just interesting to to read that as like a um a, a kind of like a spoof of of like time magazine i guess or something isn't it yeah yeah it's 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 interesting it's cool yeah i think i thought that was a cool thing and a cool a cool addition to the whole thing 
um, considering the amount of news coverage that Superman got in the real world as well, where the death of Superman got that we've already talked about. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think my favorite um, cover of two favorite covers, in fact, from um, the Funeral for a Friend stuff is um, I like the cover of Funeral for a Friend number four, which was Superman number 76 with Batman throwing the torn cape off the building. The Daily Planet. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a, that's a really awesome cover. And my second favorite cover is the one that is the Action Comics number one, but with Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like the um, yeah. I like the guy in the bottom corner. Like, um, obviously, neither of them are like full HD, but like in comparison to the actual like uh, Superman number, Action Comics number one, he looks like he's in HD, like yeah. super minute detail in his face in comparison with the cartoon character that was running away from Superman originally. Yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> uh, it's it's real interesting cover. I like that. I like that the I like the take on Action Comics number one. Um, mm. I like that kind of stuff. Um, cause it is, it's, it's an issue of action comics as well. It's action comics six, eight, five. Um, but yeah. I'll tell you what's the worst cover which, of the which one? is funeral for a friend number six, where it's Supergirl in action comics. And she's like, just posed awkwardly in a doorway. And it says, who's buried in Superman's tomb. And why is Lex <laughs> Luthor so paranoid? <laughs> Terrible cover. Just awful. It's like, it's like there's a, a, a graveyard on top yeah. of a skyscraper. I don't yeah. really understand it. Yeah, but then um, you've also got um, Funeral for a Friend number seven, which is John Kent face down in, in a field of corn. I, that's one of my favourites. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Swing, swings and roundabouts. Yeah. I mean, I think that one looks quite awkward. <laughs> I like it because it's so stark and like not over-complicated yeah. like some of the other It's a good cover, it's a good cover. Um, and then uh, yeah, Funeral for a Friend number eight, which is also, it's other a nice cover actually, with Superman flying towards the sun. Like like his spirit mm. going, yeah. and they couldn't afford to leave him dead. They just couldn't. And I I don't. Do you know what? It, it, knowing that if you know that you're going to bring a character back, can you really put your heart and soul into killing him? Is the question I want to ask. Because having having looked at these first two parts of the death of Superman, and having looked at Nightfall, like. Can you truly put like 100% into something knowing that it's going to be reset afterwards? I would answer yes, purely <laughs> because, like, I think they maybe it's because obviously reading it as sort of like an omnibus and like just issue after issue it feels like they kind of jumped the gun to like and i know what it leads into and obviously what we're going to cover next but um the whole sorry i'm jumping over point after point after point the park end in the afterlife thing i think leads is it the only thing that i like about it as a story thing is that it leads very nicely into the is superman back or not because it's like you're supposed to as a first time yeah. reader be like oh my god he dragged he drug his soul back from the afterlife so maybe superman really is back in his body and they you know he's he's back to metropolis and everything's going to be a-okay so i like that yeah. but, but also the the um the, the the to answer your question the stuff with funeral for a friend and everyone sort of like pouring their hearts out and like feeling the mourning and the loss and everything i feel like you can wholeheartedly do that even if you are going to bring the character back you just have to kind of mm. earn it and nightfall as the obviously direct comparison because it's not a death and it's um 
you know, a broken back, and you know, you see all of your ancillary characters. You've built, you bought up John Paul as the replacement and everything. You can see everything working towards the return, and so it doesn't feel like, oh, well, of course they weren't going to keep Bruce Wayne with his back shattered for the rest of his life. You know, make him Oracle too. You know because you're building up to it issue by issue you can see a the return but also b you feel the way that gotham feels the loss yeah. every character jim gordon everyone is in who's in it is like a oh my god what are we going to do without batman and then b oh my god the batman who's here is now much worse and like maybe we were better off without a batman yeah and then you have the return and it all kind of knits together really nicely but, um we'll come on to this next time because we're going to be there's going to be a part two but like inverse of nightfall I think the return of Superman is stronger than the return of Batman. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I'd, I've, I've said when we were, um, I think it might have been off cast, but um, that Nightfall um, starts real, real strong, and then and kind of yeah. gets gets weaker as it goes along, especially that mm-hmm. giant sag in the middle, which we all complained about. But um, whereas Death of Superman yeah. starts off kind of like if Marv, are you, disregarding are you the, wait a second, are you trying to say you didn't enjoy Night Quest? <laughs> oh no it was my favorite story of all time but um disregarding all of the um, yeah. the real world consequences of the death of superman yeah. death of superman as a comic book story starts off like a wet fart and then gets much more interesting as soon as superman dies <laughs> <laughs> all the funeral for a friend stuff so um, what you're saying is it follows it follows through into. does it marv does it that... <laughs> it does it follows through and it wipes up nicely afterwards <laughs> <laughs> What what an analogy! <laughs> wow. No, yeah. Um, I I I like I was saying. My point was that 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 he actually get this this death of Superman thing gets stronger as it goes on, and it, it starts off a bit a bit weak. And but what I wanted to say in its defense was the the fact that it's 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 out of nowhere is is the thing about it that's quite strong, and the fact that. You know, it's not moody and it's it's still bright metropolis, but this horrible, nasty character just just treading and smushing everything is what for me is the impact. A lot of people don't view it that way. I'm probably looking deeper than most people, but that's how I see it. So that's me. Um, I think that wraps us up unless anyone's got anything else they want to add to that. Rahul was talking about jump scares earlier. <laughs> and the one that got me was uh, turning the page to see Bill and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's one. That was one of mine. Who the fuck is this guy, and why should I care? <laughs> oh yeah, the Clintons. Yeah, I almost forgot to mention that. I, I love. I love it when they put like actual politicians in comics. Mm. I, I you know what? It, do you know what that? it's almost like? It's it's almost like politics has always been in comics. <laughs> Even even down to the fact that when when I when we first started this episode, and I talked about um, world's finest one eight nine from fucking nineteen sixty nine. Guess who turns up and gives a speech to the world about Superman's death? Fucking President Nixon. Right. It, it's this is a whole other thing, but yeah, politics and comics. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. That that's like not even politics and comics. It's politicians in comics. Yeah, <laughs> and like whether they're Republicans or Democrats, it's cringe. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. 
Like I wasn't a fan of all Obama appearing in all those comics. <laughs> like it's cringe. I don't I, uh, get out. Get out of the, if, of the comic books. If nothing else, it does date the uh, the story. Yeah. Like all the all mm. the comics that you read where you have like generic president number one, you're like, okay, I could be reading this story and it could have been written yesterday. But you're like, oh, oh, I see. This comic came out at the same time Animaniacs was popular. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh dear yeah although you do have all the stuff where it's like um at the very beginning where it's like oh my god i can't get hold of um clark let me leave a message on his computer and then when he gets back to work and they're like oh lois left you a message on the computer very high tech of you isn't it lois yeah. <laughs> it's like oh well, might as well have used one of your newfangled pages yeah too. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about my motorbike my motorbike has a laser disc in it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> And um, what was the the other stuff in there that's like that with the um, so you've got you've got the 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 uh, the, the well they don't they don't use Iraq they they have a different name for it um, hmm. but there's a war yeah Gulf War much um, but yeah they bring all of that in as well so yeah politics and comics. oh. That did remind me of yeah. um, one thing that I completely forgot when we yeah. were talking about the funeral for a friend stuff. I like the fact that they um, take the time, even though it's only like a page worth, but to acknowledge the fact that with all the world's leaders coming together to Metropolis, basically, to, to pay their respects, that there would be political assassination attempts. Yeah. And that like Batman's there to, to thwart a suicide bombing and stuff. Yeah. And, like mm. that's that's flavor that I like about that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't They didn't need to do it, but it made it all the better that they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Funeral for a Friend is is on a whole a much better arc than what precedes it. Yeah. Um, but what I love, yes. what I what I will point out to end this episode is what I love about Doomsday's evolution from when he comes out of the ground to how he gets more and more spiky and naked, mm. um, and how he goes from something rather Kirby esque into this grotesque, um, spiky, extreme age of comics monstrosity and i'll just leave you with that and see if you read into that what you will i've probably already read too much into it but yeah um that has been the death of superman part one and uh, <laughs> i hope you've all enjoyed listening to that as much as i've enjoyed talking about it um i hope you guys have enjoyed listening to me prattle on about stuff um been a whale of a time yeah so yeah that is uh death and return of superman part one um that has been ace comicals you can find us in the usual places www.acecomicals.com which is where we keep everything that we do um you can find us on twitter under at ace comicals which is where we're most <coughs> active if you have any opinions on the death of superman and you want to get involved in the conversation um just at us dm us um tell us what you think um ray where can we find you you can find me on well you can't really find me these days i, I guess twitter yeah uh, at monkey m-o-o-n-k-e-h yeah um and uh marv where can we find you um on twitter at marvin lafayette or on instagram uh, marv lafayette 84 wearing little circle glasses and a leather jacket <laughs> <laughs> leon where can we find you you can find me on twitter despairing over the fact that Batman vs. Superman had a better Doomsday Superman death in it than the comic book at, <laughs> at Leon Everett. It fucking did as well. Um, yeah. In defense of that film, that's probably the first positive thing you've ever said about that film. 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realise it was the same guy. Cool. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B-A-T-T-O-U. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks for listening. That is Ace Comicals. Over and out.